Welcome to The Action Shelf, the podcast that celebrates the glory of B-Action movies. I'm John Campbell. I'm Michael Lisman. Oh, Lisman. You know, we, we like to leap from action icon to action icon, and uh, mm. boy, the spectrum is pretty wide in the action icon world when we can go from Charles Bronson to Steven Seagal. Uh, yeah, and Steven Skull's not even the uh, protagonist of this film. No, I think interesting. Uh, <laughs> I uh, we watched 2019's Beyond the Law. It was this week's yeah. movie, and I just want to uh, I just want to stay <laughs> this piece of trivia because I think you're gonna love this Lisman, which is why oh, Steven yeah. Seagal accepted this movie because it required no stunt work. Uh, yes. Uh, and in <laughs> fact, uh, <laughs> I, I noticed actually, uh, in fact, uh, watching this movie, uh, just cause I was curious, um, Maggie and I were keeping track of, uh, which scenes Steven Seagal was seated, seated in and which ones he was standing in. Uh, and the, yeah, the total well, that I have okay, yeah, yeah. are 10 scenes where yeah. he is seated yeah. and two where he is standing. That is the, that is the gulf here. Well, and 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 the the closest he gets is there's a scene where he like walks into a bar and then immediately sits down. Like there's some stuff like yes. that too, where he starts standing for like a half second before sitting down. We are definitely right. one of the reasons we picked this one is because this is I think this is actually technically his most recent release. Wow. If I'm not mistaken, I'm just so used to Bruce Willis who makes five movies right. a year. So. I think this is he's um yes it is this is the. He's in pre-production on a movie right now called Tip of the Spear. Mm. But this is actually the last released movie Seagal made. But we wanted to do a more modern Seagal movie. And this is, from everything I've heard, very indicative of modern Seagal. Lots of sitting. Just, it's just so sad. I mean, it would be sad if he was a sympathetic human being. (laughs) Yes. But he's not. So it's just pathetic. I mean, and look. He looks bad in this. I he mean, ne- the guy never looked good, but he's really looking rough these days. He do you think he's he, do you think he's wearing a hairpiece? I think days? he might be. Well, at the very least, he's coloring that because that hair looks fake as fuck. I, the reason why I say that is yeah. because his hairline is so like like it's so exact. Yes. that it it looks like it's hair plugs. Like it does put on put into his head like i it does not look like a natural hairline it really all. doesn't and then he's got the 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 modern uh seagal goatee and the tiny mm-hmm. tinted glasses he does it in every film these days he really does yeah uh, uh like that, what, what is, is he just hiding his, his face is that what I, he's doing like what yes is he doing? i think that's a piece of it i think that's the goatee for sure he's trying to do yeah. something to distract from the jowls right mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. 
And then I have two theories about the glasses, and maybe both are true. Uh, number one, I think he's an older gentleman, and he's trying to hide the fact that he needs glasses by wearing the tinted ones. So it seems right. like a cool yes. character trait, but he really can't see. Yeah, and... I mean, it's not a character trait if he does it in every film. Exactly. You know? And two, I think he's got some kind. I think something's wrong with his eyes. I think they're either crazy bloodshot or like yellow and jaundiced from alcohol abuse or something like that. I don't know. There's something there that I think is interesting that this guy, ne you never see him anywhere in any interview even where he doesn't have those fucking glasses on. So um, we're just to assume that every movie he makes from here on out, he is going to be seated for most of it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. And I, yes. I, I don't oh, know absolutely. if you know when he started. I don't know when that began. Uh, I don't know no. exactly when that began. Uh, yeah, because I'm trying to think. I think I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think as far as we've gotten into his. We haven't really left the late 2000s. I think is this. So you know, we're jumping about 10 years past the last time we yeah. saw, him, which I think was an 09 movie. 10 years is a long time, and <laughs> it a, is. a lot of changes can happen to a human being. Uh, yeah, and especially when I don't think you're living the healthiest life. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead. And, well, because I will say this: if you take a look at the, um the cover art for this movie i don't say poster because i don't think this thing saw theaters um no. they've slimmed him down on the cover oh definitely. he's much bigger in the movie yes although not a lot of leather jackets i noticed i mean there is some sequences uh well i will uh, say this i didn't know anything about this movie beyond it was on amazon prime and it was the most recent seagal movie so that's why i put it on there but looking at yeah. this poster, I thought Seagal was playing a cop in it. You'd think. He's got yeah, the jeans was... and a leather jacket, and he's standing next to a guy with a badge. And I didn't even realize that uh, – I figured that it was going to be a two-hander cop movie with Steven Seagal and DMX. And surprise, uh, surprise, neither one of those guys is in this movie that much. DMX nope. does nothing in this film. Almost. Why is he in this movie? I have no idea. And he died not long after making this movie. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think this was his last acting role. Uh, so that's, yeah, Go that's on. that's that's unfortunate there. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, he did do a couple. He managed to sneak in another Death Race sequel. Um, okay. But, uh, but, yeah, he did die in 2020. Um, but, uh, yeah, neither one of those. Instead, it's the third guy on this poster, Johnny Messner who's the mm -hmm. star of this movie, who we previously mm -hmm. talked about in a supporting role in um, Final Kill. Yes. Uh, and he he was uh, he was uncredited in Cosmic Sin Yeah, well. a cameo of some sort in Cosmic Sin. I can't say I know the guy well enough to have been like, that's Johnny Messner beyond... I do remember seeing him on TV like when I was in high school. Right, because he was yeah. he was we were, we were we were talking about him being in a lot of like a lot uh, of t like early two thousands TV shows. Yeah, and a lot of good like a lot of the shows I watched he was on like CSI mm. Miami and Chuck and stuff like that. So, but yeah. uh, dude, this guy can't carry a movie though. No, <laughs> he's terrible. No. I, in fact, uh, did you have subtitles on for this movie? I had to. I had to. Okay. I couldn't I was, fucking understand. about to say. Because I watched the first maybe two or three minutes without them, and I went, I can't understand a fucking word anyone's saying. <laughs> At all. Literally. I can't tell if it's performance or recording or what, but I couldn't understand any character in this movie. Yes. So there's there's a couple of things to get into here. One, uh, Johnny Mesner. 
uh, delivers all of his lines and just like, oh boy, I'm just trying to think of like what the best. I mean, it's all just like, yeah, you know, you don't ever do that, but like he's just grumbling without any diction, and you cannot like it's literally indecipherable. It's I swear, it's like he thinks he's doing like a Batman-y kind of voice. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <clears throat> but it's, there's no thought. So... There's no rhyme or reason to it, and it's actually ruining his performance. Yes. It. It, it is interesting for like, for like a lot of like film actors. Like a lot of people don't realize how important diction is, <laughs> even though like you're not on a stage. Right. But like, obviously, there's a level of realism you're going to want to try and capture. But I think you need to edge a little bit more like you need to emphasize diction a little bit more than you think you should. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it'll still sound natural. You right. Know? Right. Um, yeah. Because otherwise stuff like this happens and it's not just Johnny Mesner. It's literally every single person in this movie. Every line is garbled, mumbled, yep. said in a whisper. Like I don't, it's just, I can't believe they released the movie with this sound. <laughs> like I, and th- yeah, I know it's and a low what budget. Was, what but... was Seagal doing in this movie? Is oh, it, was this an my... accent he was going for? Is this, is an... <laughs> you, it's I had the same Seagal, thought. But it is Seagal. I had the same thought. Where does do we ever get where this movie takes place? Because it seems like some I, people are trying to do a southern accent. That's what I got from Steven Seagal. I got from is Steven Seagal, and like... a couple times Mesner bled into southern, but only in some scenes. Yes, well, because he's so inconsistent. There's no yeah. pinpoint. I couldn't figure. Let's see where, um, where was this thing shot. See if I can even figure out where they. Great were question. Yeah, let's let's um, let's find out here. Man, I'm not even seeing a filming location listed <laughs> on this thing. They just th- this is one of those movies that, like, in terms of trying to find any kind of uh, background info, there's there's yeah. very little. I do have the budget for the movie list, but if you'd like to take your best guess at what this mm. thing cost. This thing looks cheap. It yeah. looks really, really cheap. I have to imagine the only, the the biggest investment was Steven Seagal and maybe DMX as well. Yeah, uh, getting the two of them. Sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say five million dollars. Oh man, Listman, two point five, half that. I was being so generous. John, I was just like, well, maybe with DMX and Steven Seagal, maybe that'll Two bump it up a few million. Point five. Holy that's shit, that's nothing, nothing for a movie, that especially for like an action movie. Nothing. Oh yeah. my god. Wow. Um, wow, Jeez. wow, wow. So, so Steven Seagal and DMX didn't even ask for that much money. No, like that's that's they <laughs> couldn't have. I, I'm gonna guess. Honestly, all of Seagal's stuff probably was shot in like two days. Oh yeah, yes. And DMX definitely. probably won. He's in the yeah. movie so little. I, it, this is Very the point. Little. Yeah, as we said, like I don't know why he would take this. I don't know why it even matters that this is like a known person. Um, yeah. By the way, this is a reteaming of them, even though I don't think they're ever in the movie together, um, because mm. Steven Seagal and DMX previously starred in the action film Exit Wounds together. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Does anyone remember that? Anyone? Exit nope. Wounds from 2001. No. Anybody? That was one of the Exit last wounds. theatrically released Seagal movies. Okay. That was like so, a Warner yeah. Brothers studio movie. 
Is that a little too mainstream? To yeah, on the podcast? it it okay. it is. That that's that's actually that was actually like a major film. So uh, maybe that's what this was. Then it was just trying to recapture. Yeah. Okay, keep him. Like, so I'm looking at the as I said, two point five million for this. That one yeah. exit wounds fifty million. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a major Warner Brothers studio action movie that they made back in 2001. It really is. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Um, I've never seen it. Boy. Uh, I, I don't remember much about it, but I do remember seeing it when it came out. Yeah. Uh, not in the theater. No, Jesus, no. But I did. I think I, I mean, rented certainly, it. Certainly, I'm sure it's more memorable than this film. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, to it's a generic police stuff. movie, you know? Yeah. It's a generic yeah. Steven Seagal's a tough cop kind of movie. One of those. Yeah. But like that's the end of his career kind of stuff. Here now we're in like he's a fucking walking corpse. Um, this is yeah, this is postmortem Seagal. <laughs> I do have some recent comments from Seagal about current political situations, which I can read at some point too. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Because uh, you, uh, you, you, we know that oh, no. uh, one of Steven Seagal's close personal friends is uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, of course, people went to him for comment uh, about uh, what he thinks of the current situation happening between Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, okay, let's, let's fucking hear this. Bullshit. Here's what he said. Most of us have friends and family in Russia and Ukraine. I look at both as one family and really believe it is an outside entity spending huge money, huge sums of money on propaganda to provoke the two countries to be at odds with each other. My prayers are that both countries will come to a positive, peaceful resolution where we can live and thrive together in peace. Okay, so he so he's thinks, not saying anything. But he thinks the media is lying about the situation. And, and I mean, Russian media certainly is. Uh... Steven Seagal is landing on a, it's not as bad as it seems. Yeah. No. Pretty fucking bad, Steven. That's, yeah. That's that's bad. Not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought no. it was going to full on like. Uh, <laughs> like, like this is the most necessary action. It had to happen. Yeah. Going with the, like, you know, had no choice attitude. Ukraine and Russian people are the same. They're one and the same. Why not have them all, you know, like... Uh, yeah, which yeah, is still a totally shitty attitude to take, but it is yes. a less actively combative reaction. Um, I think I think just, just the small part of his brain that actually filters the things he says and does, um, uh, I think there's a part of him that's like, well, maybe I shouldn't, you know, full-on, like, give putin a like a high five through through my comments here uh i also recommend a couple of clips online that people can check out one is a recent a somewhat recent in the last few months interview he did with the bbc where he storms out when the woman asked him about the sexual assault allegations mentioned against mm. him you've never seen seagal move this fast then how fast <laughs> he's yanked because it's a it's a via satellite thing from his house or uh. whatever he oh, okay. is up and out of this chair, has yanked the mic and the earpiece off, and he's out of there. The second oh, she yeah. goes, what about the sexual assault? Yep, yep, he's gone. Uh, I'm seeing here, John, that was actually a stunt double that did that. <laughs> so that wasn't that wasn't Stephen. He's Paul. gotten to the point so of that's... using stunt doubles for interviews. Uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, if I were famous, I'd probably have interview doubles uh, because that's... 
there's a chance we never see the real Steven Seagal anywhere. Um, he might he might not have ever existed, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. Uh, and then the other clip, uh, Bob Odenkirk recently did an interview on Howard Stern where he talked mm-hmm. more extensively about uh, when Steven Seagal hosted SNL because Odenkirk was a writer there at the time. And oh, good. highly recommend nice. people check that out uh, because uh, it's amazing. Much much more detail. We've already talked a little bit about that. He's famously considered the worst host the show ever had. <laughs> Pitching maybe the worst sketch of all time, yeah. of course. Yeah, um, but they talk about uh, the, uh, the the only thing I'll share. I guess we can call this a segment of Tales of Seagal. <laughs> um, they wanted him to appear in a sketch with Hans and Franz, and the joke was going to be that Hans and Franz wanted to fight him. And his big thing was, yeah, but the sketch has to end where I beat them up. <laughs> and Bob Odenkirk, that, who was writing that sketch, was like, well, it's just a comedy. Th- like, I don't... I we don't, don't need to no, have no, an no. actual fight scene. I have to kick their asses. <laughs> It'll be funny. And this is Bob Odenkirk um, was saying, like, dude, nobody thinks any of this is a real fight or has anything to do with reputation. I don't... And also, apparently, now, he, kept, he kept saying... I've never seen your little show. I don't know what it is you guys do here. And he just kept going like, you've never seen or heard of SNL? <laughs> Which at that time had been on the air for like three decades. Uh, that... I mean, it was ended. That... Yeah, at least 20 at that point. Yeah, probably about 20 yeah. years at that point. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and I just love the idea that it was so beneath him. Whatever this little comedy show you do is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm too famous for this shit, you know? Yeah, and he just, yeah. There's more stories from that. Look that up, people, if you want more Tales of Seagal. Bob Odenkirk. Now, that does bring up an interesting point, because I think, I don't think it was ever confirmed that his contracts state that he doesn't lose in movies. I had this thought, though. Yeah. The end of this movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I suppose we can get, we can just jump into the the movie, but it it ends (laughs) with him winning a fight, but still losing the fight. Which is... Well, it ends with him winning the fight, but just losing the movie. But he still wins the fight. Yeah. I think that's the key thing. Because that's <laughs> that's why I was confused when I realized he was the quote-unquote villain of this movie. I'm like, well, I know that he has that clause in his yeah. contract. Yeah. He doesn't lose. How's the movie going to get around that? It, and they, they did. Do. It's a crazy ending that makes no sense. It shouldn't <laughs> it be. no sense. It, they, they did do it. They clearly had to like fi- they had to change whatever ending they had to yeah for Seagal. All right, let's all right let's jump into this piece of shit. Uh, mm-hmm. We open with this robbery. No context for about the first ten minutes. I had no idea what was happening in this movie. Yes. Um, yeah. We have this. These guys break into this. Uh, uh, some kind of money operation, right? Some kind of money laundering, or it's a it's a illegal I, gambling funds or something. I would say illegal gambling funds. Uh, there is a casino that plays an important role in the quote unquote plot of the movie. So <laughs> yeah, and we're using we're being very generous by calling it a plot. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the so um, yeah, these guys bust in with shotguns and proceed to just shoot everybody and then take the yes. money. Yes, yes, and then one of them. Before they kill him, he's like, you don't know whose money this is. Yeah. Um, Spoiler, it's Steven Seagal's money. Yeah, because it's it's his son who's killing all these people, right? Is that No, it's Johnny Messner's 
Oh, is it his son? Yes. No, it, yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is his son who's killing all these people. And but Johnny Messner's son has money. been pulled into this. Yes. Yes. That's what it is. It, is this the sequence where Johnny Messner's son dies? I thought that was a, 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 the next scene. That is the next scene. I, but this is where because okay. they let him out of the the van to his apartment, right? Oh, right. Because he's the driver for this. Right. Okay, right. He's he's because he's because he owes a gambling debt to Seagal's son. He got pulled mm -hmm. into this. Okay. Great. Is the plot. We're on the same page now. So Seagal, <laughs> I didn't fully understand this. We we meet Seagal walking through this house, his house, and there's a prom party going on. What? Whose house is this? That's a great question. And why is Seagal at a prom party? That's why is he there? I don't know. It's just it's just so there's funny. There's no he goes, sense of place. He walks in and there's all these young people partying, and he goes, "What the hell's going on here?" And the guy goes, "Oh, it's a prom party." And Seagal's just like, okay, cool. What? I don't, we don't know. Where is he, <laughs> remind me where he's going in this scene. He's walking through his prom party to get to where. He's going to talk to the guy who's going to tell him that all the money got stolen. Okay. So he's going so, to like a meeting out on the patio of this house that has a party inside. Okay. okay. So I can't tell because so, he's okay, really so pissed about it. It's that, that person's house. Uh, okay. I think it's that it, guy's it house. Sense. It's so okay. weird. It's such a random, distracting detail for this scene. <laughs> Do you think that the prom party was actually just happening and they couldn't get the people to leave? So they're just like, I don't know, let's just shoot it in the middle of this. <laughs> it is. Sequence. It's so, yeah. It I, Honestly, that would make more sense than anything because I don't understand why this is here. And like I said, it's so distracting. Yeah. It's so, I, 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 I literally couldn't focus on whatever was being said in the next scene, because I was still fixated on why was this prom party happening. <laughs> um, so so uh, <laughs> the next scene is where they come to kill Johnny Messner's son, who is the, 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 the instigating incident for the movie. Chance is the kid's name, played by okay. Chester Rushing. Um, of uh, oh shit, he was on. This guy's been on Stranger Things. Oh, in like shit. in like seven episodes. Okay. All right. I don't remember him offhand, but okay. That's that's, that's a real I... thing. He but Tommy he looks like he's twelve in this. Movie. <laughs> he it does seem like he would fit better on Stranger Things. Actually, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was before this too. That was 2016, 2017. He was on Stranger Things. This is twenty nineteen. Yeah, he still looks twelve. He still every time like he was. It's like, oh yeah, he was dealing. You know, he was a dealer at a at a, a gambling house, and it's like. He's why? Why do you have a twelve-year-old? Oh, interesting uh, that we're talking about this prom party because he did play prom teen number three in Logan. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wow, the connections, John. The connections, man. But I do like yeah. when these people that are in these shitty movies and like leading or supporting roles have like basically extra work in major action movies. Yeah, you know that's where they make their money. Yeah. Um, he is a voice currently in the video game Horizon Forbidden West. Oh, cool. That's pretty good. That's great. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's a working actor. 
Um, yeah, he still looks twelve in his uh, IMDb. Yeah, I didn't. Picture. I didn't Good. have a problem with his performance. Necessarily. He's not in the movie that no. much, really. And I, I, I thought he was okay. And actually, we're gonna meet the person who I think is the best actor in the movie, hmm. which is Zach Ward, who plays Seagal's son, the villain here. I don't think he's amazing, yeah. but I think he's pretty good. And he at least is doing stuff. <laughs> he is the most... Well, aside from we'll talk about the shameless wasting of the great Bill Cobb in this movie. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, Zach Ward, go all the way back. He was a child actor. He was the bully Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But this uh, is a guy who has been working now, yeah. forever. And you can look through his IMDb. He's been on every TV show. I mean, so he is probably the most legitimate actor in this movie. Um, uh, yeah. He does a lot of voice work. He's in good stuff, bad stuff. He's one of those guys who kind of bounces yeah. around. Because, um, you know. He can do this and an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and an episode of CSI, and, you know. Now, he was in Sharknado, Heart of Sharkness. <laughs> I didn't catch that one, but I love that title, good man. Good yeah, title. Good name. Good title. <laughs> um, he does a lot of video game voiceovers. I see here he did a voice in Rise of the Tomb Raider. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so, uh, you know. But he's the only actor who, and like I said, it's not like he's incredible in this because the writing's so shitty, but he's the only one where I'm going like, oh, shit, he's giving a performance in this thing. He is yes. acting. <laughs> do you think the lighter was his idea? It feels I like do. the lighter was his idea. Because that feels like, and you and I have both been in things, where, I, and I'm usually the actor who goes, can you give me a prop? Can you just get, like, a thing? <laughs> it it does make a big difference yeah. if if you don't have anything like blocking wise to be doing while having these conversations yeah it feels very st like weird and stilted uh but like having just like just a prop to play with right it really makes a huge difference for yeah. an actor yeah in a lot of cases um absolutely uses the fuck out of this lighter he's he really literally does every scene he's he really he's i mean and that's the thing I think that's why I think Zach Ward is the best performance in this movie because he seems the only person who is striving to do something. He's give, yes. he's trying to play a character. He has the lighter. He's trying to create something. Um, yeah. And he's and in the, <laughs> there's any scene between him and Seagal, it's so funny when they cut to Seagal who's just doing fucking nothing, and then Zach Ward. And I'm like, oh shit, he's acting as if as if he's talking to a human being, like he's mm -hmm. getting an actual response back, even though he's not clearly. The, so the closest that Seagal gets is there, there's a a, cu a couple of scenes where he has a cigar, yeah, and he looks like he's eating it, <laughs> like he looks like he's slowly eating. The is cigar. it possible Seagal just eats whatever is put in front of him? <laughs> nom 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 nom. <laughs> I thought this was a big Tootsie Roll. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't taste like chocolate at all. Uh, <laughs> can somebody get me one of those bubblegum cigars? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I, I, honestly, with the character here, I would have liked it better if he did just have a fucking Snickers bar that he's chomping on. That would at least be more interesting, <laughs> you know. It would fit the the physique it, that he has in this movie. It's, it certainly would. How does know? this guy keep getting bigger? I don't understand. Like, it seems like he's going to hit mass size at a certain uh, point. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. It's and like uh, I said, we're not we're not here to body shame anyone other than the monster that is Steven Seagal. Um, yeah. At least in this movie, he's playing like a mob boss, so it it doesn't. Although, oh my God, he attempts to do something approaching martial arts in the last scene that is yeah embarrassing to watch. It is yes, embarrassing is yeah. is the right word. So it's, yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I'm just gonna say like it it was mostly no stunt doubles no he's no. very proud to say yes uh it looked like it was mostly just uh fast forwarding like like the footage I, to make him look like he's moving quickly is what the other thing i, I love got. about it you don't see him get up out of the chair he's already standing it cuts from the close of a johnny messner to then we'd seen seagal sitting down then it cuts to he's standing because he can't get out of a chair without going okay you know like (laughs) there'd be like a five second like grunt that would come out if you tried to stay Uh, scene so yeah so this scene is uh i mean he probably has pas who help him out of chairs in this so he has to get a winch (laughs) i'll be with you in a second um so, uh, uh, I mean, at some point, man, isn't he just going to appear in these movies in, like, a rascal scooter? I hope so. I, I cannot wait. So then for, he can stay for sitting forever but still move around in scenes. Um, yeah. So, Zach Ward is playing the son of, uh, by the way, uh, Steven Seagal's character is Augustino Adair, who goes by the street name Finn. Augustino Adair. Yeah. So what it- what nationality are we supposed to assume this man is? Let me look up the uh, Adair name nationality. Because Augustino Adair. Oh, that's interesting. That was not what I was suspecting or expecting. Mm. That is uh, uh, apparently a Scottish name. Okay. That doesn't fit with Augustino. Augustino Adair. So he's, he's I think it's. He's just multicultural. <laughs> I you guess know, he's, so. He's a citizen of the world. Well, and I then he has the extremely Irish Zach Ward, who they've actually dyed his naturally very red hair black here to match Seagal. Yes. Um, but uh, still very like, like pale easier. Irish features on Zach Ward. It seems like it'd be easier just to install a different hair piece onto Seagal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, just lower a different one onto his head, like Vader at the yeah, beginning. Like Darth- yeah. <laughs> it looks like a helmet it looks like he's wearing a helmet it 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 it, no it does it looks like it looks like seagal's hair always looked but it's been recreated yes like it's yeah it's it's a helmet of an image of seagal's 90s hair yeah (laughs) it's very fun and he's still got that little ponytail back there just a tiny little ponytail that's so always gets my signature. Yeah, it is. The older he gets, the more disgusting that ponytail is. Um, yeah. But uh, so they, yeah, Zach Ward and his boys come and kill this kid, mm-hmm. uh, Chance, because he ripped them mm-hmm. off. They're asking about money. I don't quite understand what the plot is it's, here. Yeah, it's not clear if uh, like the money was actually taken. I think he's he. he spent like ripped them off and spent the money right he, That's he did well because then that connects to the girl later remember right yes so they she took them yes that i think that was the thing was they got in on this robbery then they were gonna run off with the money i think was the idea 
Okay, gotcha. I say I think because this movie doesn't do a very good job of at all telling me what the plot is. No, that does make sense now yeah. that you've laid laid it out. I like, think that's that what the plot is. does make sense. They yes. committed okay. a robbery with this guy and his gang. Then they mm-hmm. were going to take off with the money, but they get to him before he can head out. So why didn't he immediately leave town? Why is he? That's just a good question. That's a very good question. <laughs> um, I do like the line here. There are a couple one-liners in this movie. Um, yeah. When he puts the gun to his head, Zach Ward says, "That liquor in your belly is your only friend." Yeah, that's not good. That's no. Then that's he. Bad. I did think this was particularly nasty, though, as he puts the barrel of the gun in the guy's mouth and blows the back of his head out. Two movies in a row, Lisman, we've seen this now. Because Murphy's Law had that as well. Um, Although they later describe him as being killed execution style. I laughed at that. Yeah, that made no sense to me. That's not that. (laughs) That's not what that is. Two things about that. They say that, which makes no sense. And, of course, when they go to identify the body in the morgue, uh, the entire back of his head is not missing, as it would be when the guy put a fucking forty-five in his mouth and pulled the yeah. trigger. The entire back of his head would come off. Yeah. But yes. uh, they don't have that kind of makeup budget on this thing. No, no, they do not. I mean, all they would need to do is, like, maybe hollow out into the into the table so that his head is a little yeah. bit more receded and then just do makeup around the, the lip of the... Look... That's all you would have to do. Dude, you and I are always thinking like this. From years of making no-budget movies, look at that. Look at how quick we solved the problem. That's It's easy. Like, just do it. Why, don't, why, why not do it? Why don't, don't they understand. call us? To, we could have made $2.5 We could have made a much better movie than this. I mean, honestly, if uh, the producers of this movie gave us $2.5 million, I think you and I would, uh, would just leave town. <laughs> no one would ever hear from us again. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened to those guys? Didn't they do a podcast or something? I don't know. They're gone, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, they shoot. Then it cuts, it cuts to I don't know why it cuts to this, but it cuts to Steven Seagal with a Glock doing target practice. Yes, <laughs> just because and... they want Seagal to shoot a gun in the movie. Yes, and I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to tell on film how far away it is, but it looks very close. It looked extremely like, the close. Looks very, very like maybe thirty feet away. Yeah, <laughs> and Seagal doesn't look good with the gun. No, he's never looked good with a gun. I will say this across all of his movies, I've never thought that <laughs> it's weird. That to man think about knows this. how to handle a gun. No, and it's weird. That's exactly it. It's weird to say this, but it's an interesting thing when you think about action stars, right? You need to be able to throw a punch. You need to be able to throw a good kick. You need to be able to shoot a gun in a way that feels confident. And if not necessarily realistic, cool. Because Stallone has never fired a gun in a realistic manner ever in a movie. But he looks cool as fuck with the way he does. Same thing with Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Those guys know how to sell a cool-looking movie gun shooting. Seagal looks like he's never held a gun in his life the way he's shooting here. I think that speaks to the charisma of those two actors. It does. It does. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, ultimately, it's the easiest thing to do is just like look up how to hold a gun properly. Yeah. yeah. And how to use it properly. Right. Like it's not. Uh, I mean, there's a lot to it, obviously, but for like being in a movie like this, 
it wouldn't take that much work to uh, figure out how a gun is supposed to actually. I mean, Seagal on paper, he's using two hands, he's aiming down the barrel, but when this thing kicks, he's like, "Whoa, whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> he's doing nothing to absorb that recoil like someone who handles a gun would. Yes, no. And I just thought, dude, how many guns have you fired in movies? And you look this shitty holding just like a simple Glock 9mm. And it's and this gun's getting away from him. A gun that doesn't even kick that much, really. Uh, and he's still like, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Again, any amount of work, uh, any amount of research into what kind of gun you're using in the scene, what kind of kickback it would have. You know, yeah. Uh, that's not Seagal's game. Here. No. So DMX gets called to the crime scene because he's this police detective yeah he's in this movie by the way dmx plays a character named detective ray muncie does dmx look like a man whose name is ray muncie nope (laughs) no not at all exodus tattoo over his yeah collarbone come on man that's a makeup department thing you want him to be like a you like a suit wearing homicide cop cover that shit up or put a collar on him or something because that really distracted me from no cop is going to have that. I mean, yeah, it's probably, I mean, if he's a cop, it'd probably be like a white supremacist tattoo. But again, it would be covered <laughs> up. So, uh... yeah, it's just like, I don't, uh, yeah, you're just going like, I mean, it, and this is the this is the thing where I'm talking about, like, this, does, this shit doesn't even cost money. It's just a complete no. lack of attention to any detail in this movie at all. I see what you, I see what you mean by, like, because we were talking before this of, like, does does this is this director aware that what he is making is shit yeah and stuff like that indicates that maybe he isn't or he is aware that it's shit because he's not even attempting to like do the correct option you know there's a laziness inherent in the production um yeah that that's that screams like i said these aren't even like because sometimes I can go, well, they didn't have the money. But this isn't even stuff that would cost money to put him in a nope. higher collared shirt to cover up that tattoo. You know, <laughs> stuff like that's that. That's <laughs> What do you want to bet DMX is like, I'd rather wear this shirt. Yeah. You know, it breathes like, better. That's fine. So. Yeah, they don't give a I shit. I want to show off my tattoo. It's, it's but dope. The, so the other like... thing about this movie that then I feel like sends me in the other direction of does the director think this is shit is the movie gets real artsy and pretentious in places too, though. Like all of the nightmare sequences. All of the nightmare sequences are exactly what I'm thinking about. And the movie yeah. is also trying to be very serious and gritty. Like, it's almost like this guy thinks he's making, like, training day or something like that, you know? I guess so, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it, it's very... It's one of the most forgettable films. <laughs> I think this might be the most forgettable film I've seen. I think podcast. that I think, I think I agree with you simply because this movie is just nothing. It just it's there's just there, this there has there's I mean there's almost nothing I can say is, is certainly nothing good but nothing interesting not even that much hilariously bad stuff in it just like man I I was sitting here watching it last night just going boy like I said it was it was really hard to keep my attention on it or my focus on it which can yeah. sometimes happen but this more so than a lot of them Jesus Christ this <laughs> thing is just so anyway DMX goes to tell Johnny Mesner who is established we don't get much but his backstory is this dude was the most badass cop there ever was hmm. he was badass but he did what was necessary yeah so he was a bad cop 
he was a crook. He was a dirty cop. Yeah, not well, like the, well, they the take dirty, but like right, uh, police brutality kind of dirty cop. Because later, Steven Seagal talks about, "Holy shit, it's that guy's son." That guy was the most crooked, the most dangerous and violent cop the force has ever seen. And then I love, they're like, hey, why'd you stop being a cop later? I don't know. I just assumed because IA finally got the warrants on him and kicked him off the force. I don't know. That's a, a safe assumption if every other cop in this movie wasn't also crooked. So. I'm trying to think, I think. I think it's just DMX that we see as an active cop. And oh no, there are two guys he fights later who, when he kills them, they have police badges. Yes, but they're working for Muncie or DMX or whatever. Right, right? and they're they, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're they're his underlings, and they're all working for yeah. Seagal. But yes, yeah, it seemed to be like everybody was like crooked, corrupt, working for crime bosses. Johnny Mesner's thing was just that he was a violent maniac. Not he was on the yes, and just like is that better? I maybe I, I don't know. Um, Why did you get fired? I shot a kid. Um, yeah, <laughs> I shot ten kids. Um, so many kids. They were execution style. Um, <laughs> and by that I mean I put a gun in their mouth and blew out their brains. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's not execution style. Um, uh-huh. So uh, we enter. We we meet Johnny Messner, and he's coughing up blood in a sink. Is this is this a plot point they ever pick up again? That he's like ill. I totally forgot about that. I completely yeah. forgot. Yeah, I think the screenwriters forgot this is a plot point. Because I thought like, oh, is the whole thing like he's dying? He's got like lung cancer or something? No, they never bring this up ever again. <laughs> nope, he literally never coughs up blood ever again. It, yeah. It's a classic action shelf example of <laughs> set something up and then immediately yeah. forget that we put it in the film. But still, you know, film it. Now, he's living out in the middle of nowhere in this cabin by himself. Yes, the murder cabin, or the murder <laughs> shack, as I call it. It is. It's a total It's a total murder shack. This guy is... Uh... The windows are, like, covered with old newspapers, you know? Um, there's just... Yeah, garbage everywhere. Yeah, it's very, it's very <laughs> sad. And I, I guess this is all meant to say, what that this? I mean, because we've seen a million of these movies, we're supposed to think this is a burnout on the edge. They don't say this, but like maybe suicidal, because that's kind of lethal weapon thing. Yeah, but yeah. like, or at least doesn't care if he lives or dies. Maybe he actively is dying. This first scene indicates but then never picks up ever again so it doesn't matter yeah because they don't go into why they don't get into why he's no longer on the force they don't get into why he's because that in this first scene he, he doesn't know that his son is dead right Right, because dmx is coming to inform him of that so why is he <laughs> why does he live in this like uh why is he a recluse in this murder cabin like right. what led to him being the looking this terrible we know his people literally comment died. on like Oh, okay, okay, okay. Remember, his wife died, and then his son took off and like abandoned yes. him. So okay, I so guess then that, that's that would be it. Why. Yeah, I guess that's it. Completely forgot that. His but wife also, died. his best friend lives like down the street because that's Bill yes. Cobb. Um, yes. Yeah, and so or Bill Cobb's uh, Swilly. By the way, the the names in this movie, Bill Cobb's character's name is Swilly. Mm-hmm. That's that very sounds, silly. Sounds like a name. That's very mm-hmm. silly. I laughed every time they said, well, Swilly said, what? <laughs> I kept forgetting who that was because I was just like, that's not a name. Don't... 
Yeah, the names are so weird. You have Augustino Adair, who's your crime boss, and his son, Desmond Packard. And then Wait, s- his son's name is Desmond Packard. They say that he took his mother's name at one point. Okay. I don't know. And then Ray Muncy, and the main character is Frank Wilson. So you have very weird names to very bland names to completely silly names like Swilly. So, did you think uh, the main character's name being Frank was like a Frank Castle kind of? Uh, Everything nod? about this performance feels very Punisher. Because the second I'm like, yeah. the second I started to realize what this movie is, like, okay, badass ex cop to come in to tell him his son, this is going down a Punisher vigilante revenge route. And it does just in the most boring fashion possible. Yeah, yeah, it does. And it feels like Johnny Mesner is doing, well, he said a Batman voice, but yeah, a Punisher ripoff performance, you know? Yeah. Because obviously he's nowhere near the actor John Bernthal is who can, you know, bring real gravitas, emotional stakes, actual complications to this guy who has shades of a real person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All yeah. the all the stuff I like about the Punisher that make him interesting, none of that is here because, as we've said, I don't really know much about this guy at all. This movie really it drops a few things, mm-hmm. but not that much because it's really not. I don't know what this movie is interested in because there's not much action in it. No, not really. So it's what is here? <laughs> what are they who, doing? Who is this movie for? Yeah. You know? I will say, not a lot of user reviews when I was going through for my user reviews at the end. Just not that many people even bothered to write reviews because why would they? And maybe maybe this is why canon films are generally more enjoyable. It's because canon, for the most part, understands the kinds of movies they're making Mm -hmm. uh, and are able to lean into the things that, like, that company. That company had no illusions about what it was. Right. It knew whereas, it was schlock. Yeah. Whereas I think maybe this director is, th- he has a little bit higher <laughs> I, of uh, uh, opinion of himself. And the, so therefore, it's like, no, this is going to be more like gritty and like dramatic. The, and, you know, the like, thing, there will be action. But that's not the focus. The thing I kept thinking while watching this was I bet this guy said the word noir so much making this movie. <laughs> because it does. Even the ending being as dark and kind of somewhat bleak as it is, is noir-ish. And I want huge yeah. emphasis on ish. Uh, <laughs> noir adjacent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is... Well, this movie screams of somebody who goes, I love noir, but they haven't really bothered to figure out what the appeal of it is or what the rules of it are or why it's a valid genre and, like... Or have you even really seen a noir? No, exactly. Know? It's all it's all just like got it, like dark lighting, violent, bleak crime stuff. You're like, yeah, but lo- yeah. And it, uh, that does bring up another point. This is another one of those movies that has no color palette whatsoever. No, no. it might as well be black and white, but it's not. It's right. just super desaturated. That was the, um, the the filmmaker I kept thinking of that I bet this guy loves but doesn't understand once again why his movies works is David Ayer, uh, mm. who made Training Day, End of Watch, a lot of gritty L.A. cop gangster movies, right? Mm. That, that guy's kind of stuff and has a very, like, handheld 
natural lighting, so it's kind of dark and noirish look. And <laughs> but this guy is like, yeah, those movies are badass, but is once again not looked into at all what actually works about those movies or the amount of time David Ayer spent in the streets of L.A. figuring out how crime functioned and how cops mm-hmm. work. And um, yeah. I bet this guy was just like what is noir it's gritty mm-hmm. and then that's his only note to like what the movie should look like it should look gritty you know like noir uh, that's and then that's the end of the discussion no gritty is the other word I, I i feel like this guy pitched this movie a lot with it's gritty Gr- everyone's yeah. performance needs to be gritty you know um, visceral Ugh. yeah it's because he does really I, I mean he does something i like in other movies but he really does make like very bloody squibs later and stuff and lots of blood i mean once again when it gets into the he is he does want it to go it's visceral and dark and bloody and you know and you're like yeah but it doesn't you're not it's not interesting at all there's no yeah 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 once again i bet this guy loves the punisher netflix show and like daredevil and stuff uh, but doesn't doesn't bother to actually think about why they work okay uh, so this is where he identifies his son's body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the thing I laugh the most at is when he's at the grave site. <laughs> Did this get you too? Yeah. <laughs> the the tiny Very little real tombstone. <laughs> the, the tiny little tombstone of his wife. That's basically just like yeah. a rock. Yep. And and then the slightly larger one for his son, but. Both of them have clearly just been overlaid with digital text. Yep. That looks awful. It looks, it's, it's one of those things. It's like how in old cartoons you'd have the painted backgrounds and then the things that are going to be interacted with are completely different color and you know that they're going to be interacted with. Right. It's exactly like that. It's exactly like that because clearly they went in on After Effects and literally just (laughs) typed over the footage put in text yes. just right on top of the footage and then did nothing to like blend it or make it or no. anything. They were just like type, type, type and we're done. They didn't try to map the, the lighting and shading to the actual scene, you know? No. Um, so it doesn't look like it's actually like etched into the stone in any way whatsoever. It's just black nope. text on top of the footage. It's yes. shockingly bad. It's so- <laughs> I laughed so hard at this. You wouldn't even need a lot of money to do that, no. right? Like it just takes a mild amount of like. You don't even have to do it with real stone. Effects. You could, you could. I mean, the other thing I was gonna say is you could make the prop easy too, easier, That's and true. do it on. Yeah, because you could, you could make, you could make like a, take a foam thing and and mm-hmm. paint it to look like stone, and then just cut in the letters. But that would have required any kind of time or effort, which this movie doesn't have. <laughs> We'll fix it in post. Let me also say this. You don't even need to do it. You could have shot from behind the tombstones, too, and we would have known what's on them because we understand what's happening. So you don't even need to do it. And then you do, like, a close-up of the name on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want to, then it's its own thing. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to handle this that doesn't look like this. But this is the kind of thing where I'm starting to think this guy is pretentious and thinks he's made something, but he also just is incompetent, the filmmaker made this. I really do think... Um, and he's made plenty more action shelf movies we can talk about. Uh, so, uh, including he started to work a, a fair amount with Mr. Bruce Willis. <laughs> yep. This guy has Bruce Willis energy. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, like... yes. Yeah. He did Survive the Game and Fortress 
with Bruce now, Willis. Now, Survive the Game, that's the one that's like the most dangerous game. But I think Bruce so, Willis, yeah. Right? And I think that yeah. I think we're going to do that one in a few okay. months, if I'm not mistaken. That's, gotcha. Because that, I think we're doing the most dangerous game one, which I think is that. Um, Bruce sits a lot in these movies, too. Um, he, he, he sure does. That's more you know, laziness looks- than physicality. Yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, uh, Bruce's knees are giving out as much as Seagal's. But, no, because you know. what we haven't seen is the weight gain on Bruce. Bruce still looks reasonably fit for like an older still, gentleman. Yeah. Yeah, he, looks, he still stays pretty healthy. He looks he uh, looks fine. It's not that. It's yeah. just emotionally he's gone. Uh, yeah. So um, then the weird thing was, oh, 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 so then the mysterious woman is hanging around the gravesite. And Johnny Messner's like, who are you? And once again, I'm going, what? There were several times when I went, huh? (laughs) What did he say? I had to back it up and read the subtitles again a couple times. Yes, yes. And actually, there's another example of the subtitles misunderstanding. (laughs) I believe it. So much of this movie is unintelligible. Yeah. Uh, It's always my favorite. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
And Johnny Mesner says, negotiation tactics. Were you hoping that he was going to say, shooting? <laughs> I was. I was hoping this was at the quality of, uh, what was that movie, Recoil? Yeah. <laughs> shooting. That's what Stone Cold Shoot. Steve Austin. You know what? I, lo- I I will take Stone Cold Steve Austin over Johnny Mesner. Actually, I think I yes. think Stone Cold would have been better in this movie. Actually, he's it's he's enjoyable in the way that like I don't know, just like the way he lumbers through scenes yeah. is very entertaining. Well, there's something um, to both him or Chuck Norris or these guys who are like they're all planks of wood, but there is something compelling in some weird way about them. Yeah, like it, it, it trans. They're obviously objectively not good, but there is something no. about some of these guys. And Mesner doesn't even have that. He's just like you're talking about how forgettable this movie is. He's such a forgettable performance as yeah. well. It's yeah, there's nothing here. It's a pale imitation of a tough guy action hero. It's yeah, negotiation tactics, which is why I was so surprised he was the main character of this movie. I was very uh, surprised and very disappointed when I realized that because I'm like, oh, I gotta watch this guy now. Uh, yeah. For this movie's just an even ninety minutes with credits, and still it was a slog, a slog, know, yeah. man. Um, my next note just says Seagal doing drug deal. Maybe we get a little scene of him doing business, and I don't quite under where he goes like, hey, you got the product on the thing, okay? I don't know what he's doing. It doesn't matter. It's a pointless like, thing. It's very cl- again. It's very clearly nothing was done to sort of like what is what is their business? I don't know. It yeah. doesn't matter. We'll just put in some phrases that they would be like saying well, as a mob boss. Because he just but said, let's not really dig. No, into he it. just says like, "Do you have the product?" I'm going like, "Is it drugs?" I guess it's drugs. Maybe I don't. It's I mean, furbies. it could be guns. I, I don't know. Fur- I want to say it's Furbies. <laughs> These black market Furbies are going like hotcakes. Yeah, they're really making a comeback. <laughs> look, look at this little thing. It's so cute. <laughs> I can't get enough. Uh, <laughs> he's getting, yeah, he's getting black market Furbies. Um, well, I guess this is, this is what 2019. It's probably yeah. NFTs at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you got you gotta give me a, what like a 200 pounds of NFTs. <laughs> You got any? Uh, you got any apes? You got yeah. any of those weird, wacky apes? You what, know the ones. What kind of Bitcoin can this get? I would love to see Steven Seagal talking about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. I would not be shocked at all if Steven Seagal was peddling Bitcoin. That this, wouldn't even remotely surprise me. Oh, I believe there's a whole thing about that, Lisbon, that he was involved oh, with a company that was boy. ripping people off. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that he got involved with a very shady cryptocurrency company, if I remember correctly. Yep. Mm. Yep. And the SEC wants a word with him. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) here it is. He he got involved with an illegal cryptocurrency. uh, Let's see. uh, uh, With this company that started ripping people off. And apparently... Uh, Bitcoin 2Gen was the company, uh, okay. and uh, he, he was paid $250,000 in cash and $750,000 in Bitcoin uh, mm-hmm. to do this, and uh, the SEC 
the uh, they let's see they want to collect more than two hundred thousand dollars for him for failing to disclose he was being paid to permit uh, promote a digital token. He moved to Russia mm-hmm. and claims that he shouldn't have to pay them because he's now uh, uh, a resident of Moscow. And they said, no, no, you still owe that money, Segal. Still do. So he uh, Steven Segal is currently trying to outrun the federal government who is trying to pay him money for uh, getting involved in a total sham so of a he... Bitcoin operation. <laughs> currently lives in russia he's a resident of moscow yes that's not i i was jokingly saying that he was a resident of russia but that's actually that is fact that is yes he lives he primarily lives in moscow oh okay uh just you know bumping elbows with the oligarchs and uh oh yeah yeah. he he is and he's won whatever their highest medal of achievement and things yeah uh he's the head of his own political party there the pro-Putin That's party. The PPP, if you will. It is something like that. It is something like the pro-Putin for the people or something like that kind of bullshit. Power thing. to the Putin. Yeah. You know, it's that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, boy. Yeah. Anyway, he's, boy, a, he's a fucking mess. But as you mentioned that, yes, he was indeed involved That's in a cryptocurrency so scam. And the oh SEC is still trying to get his ass for it. So, uh, <laughs> good luck, is SEC. He... So if he gets if if he goes back into America, yeah. are, are they gonna they gonna pounce on him? Is that maybe? Do I don't I don't I mean I don't know if it's an arre- if it's come to an arrest situation because he owes money. He owes a yeah. two hundred thousand dollar fine to them. Okay, um, but yeah. he is doing everything not to pay that. Yeah, can't touch me. I'm in Russia now. <laughs> That's not how that works. Um, you remember how, like, if you murder somebody and then move to a different country, you can still be arrested? Yeah. You can still be extradited? Well, I, I mean, the you thing know, is, you know like, uh, I don't think they can extradite for this, but it is sort of like uh, they can still go, like, you still owe that money. <laughs> that doesn't go away. <laughs> don't, it's not like, well, he's in Russia now. Wipe that debt clean. But apparently that's Seagal's thinking was he's, he's trying to claim he shouldn't have to pay it because he doesn't live here anymore, so sure still committed yeah. those crimes man like uh i don't yep. know what to tell you still did uh can we talk about this district attorney character who also basically does nothing in this movie yes yes please uh kim, ashley i believe yeah ashley name. played by kim DeLonghi. um also of uh she's she we're gonna talk about her in some future episodes actually as well she's in a few oh action shelf movies uh she made next to no impression on me in this no, she has nothing to do in this film. <laughs> I don't know why she's in this film. She gets this like, exchange honestly. that I wrote down as a one-liner, which is he meets her in this diner after, of course, creepily seeing the ghost of his dead son in a booth, which we see throughout the movie. Just assume there's these weird, needlessly creepy scenes where he sees mm. his dead son. And they do this like stupid horror movie stutter cut where he turns his head in the sort of unnatural way. What yeah. is the point? That see, that's the kind of stuff where I'm going like, oh, Mister fucking artsy director, on Beyond yeah. the Law. But it doesn't pay off in any way. It's not nope. like the like if the movie was about him confronting his guilt for yes. kicking out his son, yeah, and like that comes to a head at the end of the movie. Yeah, that sounds like a movie. Yeah, you're 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 real. you're not even pitching a good movie. You're just pitching a movie, Lisman. Yeah, <laughs> just a just a general film that has themes and arcs and story and you know. why have sequences like this if that's not if you're not going to like 
pay that off in any way. No, it seems like this needs to be on thematic point for the movie in some way, but it's it's not. This movie right. has, so like, he's not dealing in because themes. obviously, getting vengeance is not going to bring your son back. No. And it, it really, what it is is he should come to terms with the fact that like his behavior led to his son leaving. Right. You, you know what I mean? No, um, there's no arc for this character. No, no not at all. Nothing. This is not, and because yeah. and, what you're pitching is sort of getting into classical vigilante movies, like when you're talking about vigilante dramas, really, yes. and wrestling yeah. with the impact of violence and stuff like that. But no, no, also yeah. no, no retribution or uh, remorse for any of the violent behavior he displayed as a cop either. No, nope. certainly not. No, nope. that we're just led to believe like, ah, oh, he's just so cool. He's just real badass. Well, we're gonna see that in the scene here, but shit out of criminals when she walks into the scene she goes frank you look different and he says by different do you mean like shit (laughs) Uh uh-huh uh and so so she she says she feels bad because his wife died of cancer and now Mm. his son is dead and he goes i love this okay you talk about you're writing a script and you and he goes you're still with the da's office and she says, no. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> and why is she here? Like, what? And, he, and he's like, you still know people there? And she says, yeah, I know some people. He's like, can you get me some info? Like, it's one of those things with like, just simplify your movie and make her still with the DA's office. What do we need to know that she's in private practice now, but can reach out to people? What is that? Pointless. It's unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, it's all just like these movies. This is always our point to these movies, and I think that's what you're talking about with canon. Is like keep the plots very simple, put lots mm-hmm. of action in, and just kind of keep the thing moving. Don't yeah. add unnecessary details or tangents or you know, you that you I'm you can't do that movie. You're not that kind of movie. Does this? Does this character provide him any information in this movie? I'm trying to remember. I don't if, think like, she does. I'll have to value go through my notes here, but I don't remember her doing anything. Like it could be one thing for him to like realize that vengeance, like he could move on from his wife's death, yeah, and like, like actually like make a new life maybe with this person. But again, it, <laughs> they, it's also uninterested in exploring that option. They have such a weird kiss later in the movie. It's incredibly uncomfortable <laughs> it's incredibly uncomfortable and w- once again it has nothing to do with anything like it doesn't it, there's no oh. there's no like satisfying conclusion to an arc with them or anything because she's oh. barely in the movie and then you're yeah. just like you're, you're more just going like why did he kiss her that was weird it's just because like oh check off like the box of like oh well he, obviously he gets the romantic interest you know right what I mean? like he's the protagonist yeah he, you know, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna kiss that girl man he kiss that girl yeah. yeah and by girl we mean a woman a fully actually woman. Uh, uh, actually one of the things i'm surprised about is like an age appropriate woman i know yes that, that was, really took me by surprise maybe the only positive thing i can say about this movie is that the romantic interest in this movie is at least age appropriate yeah I was surprised when it was like a middle-aged woman and you go like, okay, not only is it age appropriate, but 
it's age appropriate to think that these two did have some kind of relationship when she was a DA and he was a cop years ago. Right. Because I wouldn't be surprised if this was, in some of these movies if this was a 25 year old and it's like all those years ago when you were and just like when she was in high school. Um, but no, this movie. <laughs> yeah doesn't do that which i guess yeah that's that's a few one some faint praise for this movie uh, <laughs> just the bare minimum yeah um so yeah and he, uh he's gonna go talk to an old contact he said and oh boy listen i think this might be the worst actor in the movie this mm. biker gang leader oh yes this guy's yes, horrible the he is just terrible yeah he is this is mike ferguson playing the character of jinx and i know what you're gonna ask me lisman and yes all of those tattoos are real i they looked real yeah um yeah yeah but also Um, man uh pretty wild i will say a rare thing i almost never see is the tattoo in the ear that's that's a new one on me that i don't see a lot i don't see that a lot um, it hurt. It really hurt. Um, I, that's that's what I thought. Fuck, that would be painful, man. Yeah. Um, oh my god, listen. Basically, everything that this guy's done in his career, we need to talk about on this show. Like that's, this, yeah, that's what I'm looking up right this now. This guy's uh, movies are. Uh, oh shit, I do remember him in Birds of Prey, even though he's uncredited. But he stands out. He played like a goon in in uh, the DC movie Birds of Prey, um, oh, which is really okay. good. I highly recommend if people haven't seen that. That's a excellent superhero action movie um, yeah really really well done had the same fight team as the john wick movie so the fights are in right yeah yeah in that God, i've been meaning to watch that you'll, you'll love it man the fights really rule in that movie and it's just super yeah. fun um yeah but uh yeah man this guy okay look listen if we don't watch jurassic hunt or triassic hunt actually um mm. I, I don't know what we've done with our what we're doing with our lives. Like, what's the point? Because what about uh, Cretaceous Hunt? That's not a movie, but it could. Be. <laughs> what about Precambrian Hunt? Let's just list various. There's uh, it's a whole franchise eras. now. Um, Amityville Uprising. What? Let's see here, because you know the Amityville horror franchise. Well, apparently they took yeah. that and turned it into an action movie. <laughs> To serve, to protect, and to fight the undead, Amityville seeing, Uprising. You you are seeing that the star of Triassic Hunt is Michael Pere. Right? Michael Pere, who we just talked about a couple yeah. weeks ago, yeah, and also yeah. '80s B movie legend Leanna Quigley. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So uh, holy shit, that movie, <laughs> which is the deadliest. Ooh, that's from the Asylum too, Lesman um oh okay gosh yeah that seems like an asylum movie anyway dude this guy is he's terrible in this movie and also does he say fuck in every single line of his like i I don't yeah i don't pay attention like cursing in movies generally washes over me but i just kept going every line is what's up motherfucker what the fuck you want i'm fucking doing this man he's like okay this is terrible writing (laughs) yeah and it's also just it's a really cheap and easy way to make this guy he's he's fucking dangerous mm-hmm. yeah man though johnny mesner puts him in his place when he kicks his ankle and just snaps it right here man Oof. this is uh, we're getting a little taste of him being the city's most violent cop ever in the sequence 
Because not only does he destroy this guy's ankle, he then proceeds to beat up all of his biker goons. He does do that. That's true. And does he get any information out of this? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I honestly don't remember. Uh, text yeah. a biker, breaks his ankle. My favorite is when this there. guy comes back. And yeah. Like, and gives him information for no reason. I like, thought, because it seems like they're so antagonistic, their relationship in this scene. And then later he's like, here you go. Here's the info you wanted. What? Yeah. And he then destroyed your Mesner ankle earlier. Mesner doesn't thank him. He's like, "Fucking motherfucker!" Like yeah. as he's leaving. I don't know. It's you fucking strange. motherfucker. Where's my fucking thank you for fucking doing your fucking work, fucker? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. basically how this guy talks. And it's Pretty like, much, see, yeah. he's a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> also, probably this guy watched The Sopranos and went, "Go, oh, criminals use foul language." Got it. Well, hmm. yeah. Uh, it shouldn't be the only note you take from watching. I seem to remember Tony Soprano saying some other words too that were extremely eloquent and well, well written, which is probably why that show's hmm. so beloved. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, uh, so he goes to his son's apartment from here. In fact, I this did you love crazy. this scene when he goes to the guy who's renting these places out? This is one of my favorite mm-hmm. scenes because he goes, "Oh, I'll put you in this in this room," and he goes can I have the room where that guy was murdered last week? And the guy's like, what? why Why would you want that? <laughs> this this actually might be my favorite character is confused apartment attendant or whatever. He's just like, that's a bizarre request. You want to stay in a murdered man's home? So this this scene is crazy for a couple of reasons. Yeah. This is a this is a crime scene for a crime that happened a murder that happened a week ago. About yeah yeah somewhere in there yeah. Wouldn't it like can people just go into crime scenes after like a week? I don't think so, right? No, is oh that... oh no no no. Well no, I mean here's the thing. Before this apartment would be rented out, they they would have a crime scene cleanup team come in and you know clean up the blood and get all the evidence. None of his stuff would be there. Eventually, you could no. probably rent the apartment out again. But because he when he goes in there, there's still the blood on the wall. Yeah. So like it's just yeah. it's just been an empty apartment. Like what yeah. did the police do? I don't I don't I, I don't know. Like the phone is still above like where it was. Yeah. They did. They found zero evidence. Yeah. They've collected uh, nothing. <laughs> they've done nothing. I don't yeah. think they even I don't think they even sectioned off like the apartment. I don't think it no. was ever like I don't. I think that it was never shown. No, um, no. It's, uh-uh. like this guy just doesn't care. Like this, the script does not give a shit about like actual police procedure. I mean, and we're talking at all basic levels of police procedure. We're not even going I don't like jack shit about police procedure. Right, but I know that like <laughs> you cordon off a crime scene. Of... You know, you yeah. take evidence. No, they've done absolutely nothing. To solve this murder. I guess everybody's in the pocket of Steven Seagal, so they're not even investigating murders tangentially related to him. That's the take (laughs) that I I had about this sequence. Um, That's what I took away from from that. Yeah. Uh, What's the flashback to son? Oh, he has the flashback to his son leaving when they had the argument, and his son's like, I'm out of here, dad. The scene was terrible, John. This These guys, like, yeah, they can't. Because all of a sudden, this can't. movie wants to have like a dramatic family scene, and you're like, movie, come on. Like the kid was hyper focused on like fiddling with his backpack, yeah. which 
Once really again, he's an, he is an actor attempting to do something, but you he also need a director to. guiding that. Yes, and it helps if you're not acting against like a completely blank piece of wood, you know. Yeah, that's my Johnny Mesner impression. Just it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, couldn't fucking follow anything, man. Um. Okay, so uh, let's see. Oh yeah. Uh, so we go. Let's go back to Desmond, which is Seagal's son, and he's hanging around with uh with the with his boys playing poker, and this guy's telling this insane joke that's really bad. You know what? I can't. You know what I'm. What it was. Look, I yeah. look forward to anytime one of these movies has a quote unquote joke in it. Yep, it's pretty uh, common it too. Is, yeah, it's super common. I don't know. I don't know why that is. Yeah, uh, but it is. This is a tr- this is atrocious. Yeah, uh, they essentially just make a super crackers joke, but it's pussy instead. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, you- yeah. It's- it was basically a woman's going around flashing and saying "super pussy," and the guy goes, "I'll take the soup." That's the joke. It's just a long That's lead up to joke. that punchline. The guy telling yeah. this joke, by the way, is an actor named Sean Kanan, who. Mm-hmm. I know, being a massive fan of the Karate Kid franchise, as the villain from the third Karate Kid movie, Karate Bad Boy Mike Barnes. Um, mm. So uh, he's currently an actor and has been on for uh, since 1990, actually. Uh, he's been on oh, The wow. Bold and the Beautiful, the, the soap opera. And we oh, previously okay. saw him in, from the director of this, he produced it, uh, he was in Gangsterland. Oh, he was in Gangsterland, and he's in Fortress, and survived the game. So he continues to be in this guy's movies. He just is one yeah. of the henchmen here. He doesn't have much of a part, but I know who he is. So I was also kind of going like, "Hey, Sean Kanan," and also a guy yeah. who actually knows martial arts. But of course, that never comes into play in this movie by any stretch. I mean, martial arts never come into play in this movie. Not really. No. 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 But wouldn't that be cool if he? <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah, That'd it would be have been really exciting, nice. but they, you know, whatever. No, no martial arts come into play. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever. Anyway, they have that scene. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, oh yeah, this is when he goes and questions the bar. By the way, he goes to a bar. This really made me laugh, right? Uh, Mesner <laughs> goes to a bar, and the guy's pouring drinks in red Solo cups. Yep. At a I fucking bar. That. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that happening? And also, I'm leaving that bar. That's sketchy as fuck, man. Is that is that the casino that he's at? I couldn't tell. Cause cause at the beginning of the scene he talks to the girl, right? Yes. Because she's working there. Yes. So he, he he asks her information about it. She she gives up a little bit. Yeah. And then Once he again, goes he, to the she, next yeah. person he knows, yeah. who's just twenty feet away from her, mm-hmm. who's the bartender, and starts talking to that guy. And in classic, orders a, yeah, in oh, classic Law and Order type fashion, this bartender has all the information this guy needs. Yes, yes, <laughs> but also pours him a double vodka in solo cups. Yeah, but then the editing's weird here because immediately after he pours the the drink for Mesner. Mm-hmm. You see two solo cups on the countertop, and the bartender drinks from one of them, and Mesner does not. So my the impression I got is that he just poured himself a drink instead and drank it in front of Mesner. 
Also um, incredibly weird. This whole bar is bizarre and sketchy, and I want out of here. Yes. <laughs> They're pouring yes. in red solo cups. The bartender's drinking drinks. Uh, what the fuck's going and, on and, here? <laughs> and also... So there's uh, some history here between Mesner and uh, this bartender. They they know each other. They go way back. Yeah. Which also makes me think, why didn't he go to this guy first instead of the girl? I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I, But, like, it was very strange. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I thought the solo cups was a very, very funny, funny touch. Uh, yeah, I did. I was just like, man – we can't even afford glassware on this movie. Good <laughs> lord. That's that is the impression I got. Yeah, it's yes. just like that's okay. Cheap as hell. Um <laughs> uh, uh let's see. Uh okay, so yeah, bartender gives him some info. I just wrote gives info cuz I don't even think it really fucking matters what he tells him. Oh, he tells him who Sigal's son is and the whole backstory of That's where you get he took his mother's name. Super important, obviously. Yeah, very important. Meanwhile, glad Se- they added that in. Seagal has asked his son to come in, and he's like, "Is there anything you want to tell me, son? You can open up to me." And this is where Zach Ward is. I honestly, give him an acting award for simply being able to say anything with any kind of emotional believability while acting against Steven Seagal because he's getting nothing from his scene partner. I mean, absolutely nothing. Yeah. No. This is the scene uh, I was laughing yeah, at. It, going, it, it, the fact that he's responding feat. in any kind of way, I'm like, holy God, what an actor! <laughs> yeah, what what a show! What an yeah. impressive display of acting oh, prowess! Oh here. yeah, because and this is one of two monologues Seagal gets in the movie. Don't give Seagal monologues. No. Did you no. did you notice this in Seagal's performance? I did that several times during these monologues. He takes random pauses mid sentence that aren't dramatic pauses it's almost like yeah. he forgets his line or something uh because he was also look he he would spend a lot of these okay. sequences not looking at his son oh no the eyeline looking off to the side yeah so, which gives me the impression that he was reading them off of cue cards i, I would 100 believe that yeah yeah so that's the impression i got from this sequence. and so are these pauses like where the cue cards changing <laughs> yes yeah. that is that's my guess because there's several times where i'm just going what why would you stop there in that line? <laughs> That's so weird. Um, and so it creates this, I mean, he's always terrible, but it creates this weird, stilted, you know. Uh, that reminds me of the uh, the bit in um, Dr. Horrible where it's like, <laughs> I hate the homelessness yeah. problem. Uh, yeah, when he goes to the next card, exactly. Yeah. The homelessness problem in this city. I don't, um, I don't, I don't need these tiny cute cards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It does have that kind of vibe to it. He's yeah. just so terrible in this thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Son, but then Son says, no, Dad, there's nothing to worry about. I'm taking care of everything. Mm. Uh, I do like Mesner says to several people when they're like, he's like, I'm not a cop anymore. I'm not a cop. I'm telling you. Cut to him flashing his badge in the next scene. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to get into, oh, this strip club scene. We do get a strip club scene. Everybody's clothed, but there is this random stripper who delivers a line right to camera. Mm. Uh, and she's in the trailer. I watched the trailer for this, and of course, that's in the trailer. Like, that's part of the movie, really. Um, but she's just like, she just, she just looks at Mesner and is like, I've got what you're looking for, or whatever. Okay. Because yeah. he's at this point saying he's a cop. 
but he's running yeah. to talk to uh desmond and he's like right i need to talk to you outside and my so, old ears can't hear in here you know so they go outside and uh he's telling him i'm trying to find my friend chance do you know a chance <laughs> and he's like no i don't know really because i have his phone and you're in here and then desmond flashes the gun he has tucked in his pants and Mesner mm-hmm. just grabs that gun and bashes his nose in with it and then says, and this th- drops this one line. I he's going to do the thing where he just grabs the gun and shoots down because you know, yeah, he that, had it tucked in his waist. That would have been so cool. Just, that would have been cooler. It. No, he bashes yeah. his nose and then goes, thanks for the gun, and walks away. <laughs> now, he wants DMX to run the ballistics on this gun to see if uh, if they're the if it's the gun that killed his son. The fact that it is means Zach Ward is a fucking moron that he's carrying around his own, the murder weapon as like his. You don't shoot people with the piece you carry on you if you're in the mob. Or mm-hmm. uh, now, now let's explore it from this angle. <laughs> the police are so on the take yeah. that they are confident enough that he can just carry around. I guess so because. He uh, Mesner gives DMX the 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 gun to run the ballistics, and then he just immediately gives it back to Desmond. So yeah. I guess that is true. But then he calls Seagal and is like, "Hey, your son definitely murdered Johnny Mesner's son." Yeah, <laughs> just just a heads up. Yeah. Uh, now we have the third scene with the mysterious girl to get. We just. <laughs> This is how badly paced this movie is. We just keep getting mm-hmm. another scene where he goes and talks to this girl and he, he gets a little bit more information each time. And this is where boy, she... F- yeah. yeah I just, boy, would have been convenient if all of the scenes were one scene and he got all of that information from her in one scene. They do a way worse version of that same mistake later in the movie. Um but uh he's because this is where she finally says well we were in love and we were gonna run away together with the money from that thing and that's where he's Mm -hmm. like you fucking got my son killed you bitch doesn't he i think he calls her a whore actually that that sounds right i don't remember it specifically something misogynistic though is the key yeah yeah something very demeaning uh uh anyway uh and of course, this is now Seagal is yelling at Desmond for murdering. He was the most badass cop. This feels like a very weak, shitty version of John Wick, right? Where it's like, do you know whose mm-hmm. son you killed? That guy will stop at nothing to kill all of us now. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking about John Wick in this sequence because it's like, oh, the the father knows this character very well knows how fucked they are right um they're like the the what the wizened you know older criminal who is a little bit more savvy right and the son is hot-headed and is the one who crosses you know the violent protagonist it's 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 so incredibly rote uh at this point well Um, it it shows you just how ubiquitous the john wick ripoffs are right like that movie exactly hit redefined action and now everybody's just like oh let's do the john wick thing then um, yeah. And also, yes. Johnny Mesner does not sell us on how intimidating he is that all these guys would be so scared of him. Nope, he just kind of looks like a doughy dad. <laughs> yeah, he really movie. does, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, Desmond says, Dad, don't get involved. I can kill Johnny Mesner. Trust me, I've got this handled. Uh, <laughs> and so at this point, uh, they go to kill Johnny Mesner at the son's apartment because they somehow know he's staying there. But he's not mm-hmm. there when they get there, so we avoid an action scene. Uh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he tell uh, Johnny Mesner tells Bill Cobbs he's gone back to his house because he wants them to come to where he lives so he can claim self-defense when he kills all of them. Okay. So why was he at his son? Like, he was, like, staying at his yeah. son's apartment for well, here's a, the thing a I don't couple understand. of days. Here's the thing I don't understand. If they came to kill him there, wouldn't it still be self-defense? You don't have to be in in your own home. If you're in a hotel and somebody comes in to kill you and you kill them, that's still self-defense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know the specific... Well, because, again, we don't know what state this takes place in. Right. So, like, there are different sort of stand-your-ground sort of laws. There's, like, I guess if they... Maybe the prosecution could argue that by staying where they had killed his son, he knew they were going to come, so he was kind of egging it on. Where if he just goes home, he's right. like, I was just sitting at home, and they came in, and I had to shoot everybody. I mean, we are being incredibly charitable. I don't <laughs> think they really thought too nope. much about it. Um, no, they just but, wanted to do uh, the action yeah. scene out here at the cabin. Uh, yeah. So, uh, let's see. They uh, An action scene is an incredibly <laughs> generous phrase that you're using. A here. scene where some guns are fired. Uh <laughs> <laughs> where a man lays down and then shoots some guns. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, the That's the whole. So Desmond goes and threatens Bill Cobbs for Mesner's address. Oh which... my god! <laughs> for the first time, right? This is the this first is time this is what I was to... talking about. The fact that he has yeah. to go and then then threaten Bill Cobbs for information again later. I Several was like, times. Oh come on, movie! <laughs> <laughs> Are you <laughs> kidding me? Uh, you, I mean, really, you get two separate scenes of him going and intimidating Bill Cobbs. Come on. What an amateur, like an amateur screenwriting. <laughs> really? Like, I mean, truly. really yeah. unacceptable, unacceptable. <laughs> uh, and also didn't this feel like this should be the climax of the movie is them coming to kill him and him killing these guys? Boy, that would have been nice. I would have liked that. Of course, the movie would have been only about sixty-five minutes, but that would have been nice. Oh, what? How? Oh, that would have been um, so good. But I did think, like, well, this feels like the end of the movie. He's lured them out. Like that's how an action mm-hmm. movie would end. He's lured the bad yeah. guys out to where he wants them. But mm-hmm. I was also expecting when they come to his place, like, and I guess my mistake for thinking a movie this cheap would do anything like this. Weren't you expecting? <laughs> I don't know, traps or or explosives or some kind of like. Wait. Did set a trap by laying on the ground <laughs> under his house. I guess that was, that was his trap. trap. Um, but because this is very much the end of the last Rambo movie, is he leads the bad guys back to his place, where of course he's rigged yes. up an elaborate maze of death traps, and it's really fucking cool. Yeah, <laughs> but that's a good action. Yeah, that would have that would have been nice. Yeah, if that happened, but no, no. It's, instead, it's nothing just nothing interesting. Oh, and we get we. We get so much of these guys, like, scoping this place out and turning around corners with their shotguns. Like, hmm, hmm, hmm. He's not here. He's not there. Yeah. Like, again, like, the throughout this whole scene, I was just thinking, like, in a good movie, every shot matters. Yep. Every sequence yes. is important. 
it, yeah. it, it always tells something. But like this movie is like, we're going to have between 10 and 14 shots of people looking around this this house and not find anything. Yeah. Like we're just going to yeah. just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again until we finally have like, well, I guess we've padded out this movie enough. Let's just have him kill the care, like the villains yeah. now. Yeah. No. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hated this movie. I know. Um, me too. This is so bad because yeah, the whole thing is he's hiding under the floorboards of this, which this is also just ripping off a much better action movie that I love LA confidential where in the final mm -hmm. gunfight, Russell Crowe is underneath the house where the bad guys are infiltrating so he can shoot them mm -hmm. from below, which is yes. once again, legitimately one of my favorite shootouts in all of film. Um, yeah. This is one of the worst shootouts I've ever seen put on film. <laughs> it's, it's up there for sure. It's yeah. barely even there. a shootout. Yeah. Like, really, yeah. there's not a lot of exchange of gunfire here. No, and he shoots in s several different sequences. He shoots people, and nobody is like, oh, I just heard a gunshot in the kitchen. And Maybe I should go see. They're all firing shotguns. Incredibly yes. loud, explosive blasts. <laughs> but yes. also, one of my running complaints across all these cheap movies is super quiet shotgun blasts. Uh-huh. It's just like, yeah. Psh. I Shotguns, hate that. Notoriously quiet uh, weapons. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> uh, um, I, I think I've maybe I've mentioned this on the show before. A really good recent low-budget action movie release that's actually really solid and uses budget well is Adrian Brody's movie Clean. And they do an entire mm -hmm. sequence there where you see him rig up uh, uh, not a silencer necessarily, but he brings up this entire system so that a shotgun can be funneled straight as a shot. And it's like oh, cool to watch him take apart a shotgun, put a different kind of barrel on it, that kind of stuff. Because I was thinking mm. when he's just firing wildly up through the floorboards, he'd be taking out pieces of wood and everything all around him. You know? I'd be shocked if it got through the floorboards. Yeah, really, yeah. it would, yeah. Like like a shotgun i like some some of the spray will but like most of it wouldn't get no. through the floorboards that's not really how it no in fact works. he'd probably end up raining stuff down on himself more than anything yes yes there would definitely yeah there would definitely be some deflections so, that yeah would just hit him in the face it is insane in that he's able to shoot through the floorboards one of these guys and then still s quietly sneak up on another guy after that yes. what it doesn't doesn't make because he sense. shoots this guy up through the floorboards in the house then he yes. rolls to the edge of the house still under it mm -hmm. to shoot a mm -hmm. guy from the the underneath the house from the side though yes he shoots that guy in the leg now didn't you expect in john wick fashion for him to shoot him in the leg and then in the head quickly from this yeah. position no yeah you'd think no instead we get a very dumb scene where he has to then roll back out from under the house approach this guy who's wounded in the leg so he can dramatically point his shotgun down one-handed by the way not a sawed off full barreled and stocked shotgun one-handed <laughs> and dramatically stare at this guy and then shoot him yeah and he, this is a no-named like this is a no-named henchman yeah no uh, he, this i is mean no technically <laughs> they do have a name but like yeah not in the actual film are they named right no um, yeah no it's it's insane it's it's yeah it's a total nobody uh, yeah. And yet they make a point of like, you, sir, I shall murder now. Just, yeah, just do the John Wick thing. Like, that would have been cool. 
I would. I mean, that like, is oh, one of the things sweet. that's awesome in John Wick when he's just tearing through henchmen because they're nothing. Boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. It's all just you know. Instead, he, he's like, and the the really stupid thing about this is. He does it. He shoots him so they can do the blood splatter on his face, of course, is what they want to do here, which they still could have done even with him lying. But um, That's true. Uh, and the obviously, if he shot it one-handed, it would fly up and hit him in the fucking face. But, you know. Because, yeah, it's a fucking 12-gauge shotgun at full length. <laughs> you know, even sawed off, it would be tough. But, like, we've seen that in movies, and I sort of, you know, will accept that. Um, yeah. But uh, but the whole thing, so then he's standing there still in the shooting pose, blood on his face like, I just blew that man's head off, which gives enough yeah. time for somebody to get behind him and shoot him in the back. Oh, this, John, <laughs> this made me laugh so hard when they're like, I got him. Don't even worry about it. Let's leave. Don't even check. I, I couldn't believe that. Let's get out of here, man. And they drive off. And I just thought, what? Because I thought, oh, they're gonna shoot him, and then what? Like capture him and take him back to Seagal, maybe or something? No, the movie's just gonna not move plot forward for a while. Because he's gonna wake up in the hospital, or he's not gonna wake up in the hospital. He's unconscious in the hospital, and the the DA woman and Bill Cobbs are there, going like, right. "Gee, I hope he wakes up." God, I forgot about this sequence. Yeah, that this movie should have it. Sh- if if this house sequence isn't going to be the final like like confrontation, yeah. then it should lead directly to the final confrontation yeah. when he's captured and he has to kill his way I out. I would have been fine with that progression. He he shoots a couple of these guys, they shoot him, he's unconscious, they take him back. That sets up, you know, whatever warehouse shootout or whatever is gonna end the movie. No Sparks Factory or, or you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, we'll never get a better Sparks Factory than Cobra. I'm saying that now. No. I think that is the no. height of action movie Sparks Factories. Um, I think so. But uh, I guess that or uh, the other obligatory answer would be Terminator 2 has a pretty sick Sparks Factory in it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, but, uh, uh, oh, shit. Uh, no, instead, they just drive off. <laughs> he gets taken to the hospital. So then DMX comes to the hospital going, how is he? And they're like, well, he's unconscious, but they think he's going to make it. And DMX is like, that's great. Then he goes out and calls Desmond and goes, actually, he is still alive. (laughs) This this is one of those moments where, and I actually said this watching it last night. I out loud go, have you people seen movies? Like, don't you understand? I'm not, you don't have to be genius screenwriters, but don't you understand how a movie moves from scene to scene and plot point to plot point? Films don't do this. <laughs> no. No, they don't. I it's non sequitur. It's like it doesn't – it's needlessly com- – I mean that – John, you're exactly right. This yeah. movie needlessly complicates itself Yeah, for it, no reason. It does. For it, literally no reason. No, this thing – just a couple changes and you could have at least streamlined the movie. I don't think you were ever going to make it good, but you could at least no. make it function. Yeah. Because then, then you'd have more room – in the film because this is still a short film yeah but you'd have more room in the film for action sequences but i think this movie no i mean i mean again debating as to whether or not the director knows how bad it is yeah like there is no action well there is no stunt team so like they don't have the money i think i think that's what's stopping the action for sure they can't afford to do any kind of real action sequences yeah 
So I guess they need to pad it out. <laughs> but then just have it be character work. But uh, that's not what... Yeah, and it, then... It doesn't. So if, if we thought that was bad, with this information that Johnny Mesner's alive, well, Desmond better go back to Bill Cobbs' place and threaten him again <laughs> for more info. But he knows where... He knows where Mesner is. I don't remember what information he wants from him here. I, I didn't write it down. <laughs> like, he, DMX already told him that Mesner is in the hospital. Yeah. So all he has to do is go to the hospital and kill him. Yeah. Like, that's not... Right. Oh, part of me thought, okay, okay, he's in the hospital. He knows he's in the hospital. The last action scene will be in the hospital. No, it's also a thought I had. That at least would have been okay. I can kind of follow the logic of that. Like, there's already been a lot of bad decisions, but at least okay, it's in the hospital yeah. now. But it doesn't even do can, that. Can, can I there's put no one offering. thing? Actually, here's one tiny solution that they could have done to. We gotta go, man. We don't know if he's dead. Put some cop sirens in the background, like cops are coming, oh so we don't even have time to finish him off. We just, I think we got him. We gotta go instantly solved you instantly then, solved it with the easiest solution then phone call he's in the hospital we go to the hospital for the final action scene yeah wait if you but, still want to do that that's much simpler but they're just like no nah, don't even worry about it like it's it, they're specifically highlighting yeah. the incompetence of of these criminals like they, oh exactly like, oh we we want to kill him but we can't oh we gotta get away because they know? make a big deal about this guy lives out in the middle of the nowhere uh, next to no one so it seems like they could take as much time as they want to make sure this guy's dead or burn the yeah. house or something we can't if we can't have any pyrotechnics obviously this movie can't fucking yeah. afford that shit Not um, two and a half million dollars oh, jesus know. christ no there's no explosions yeah. in this movie at all nope um bill Cobbs does get in a one-liner before he gets killed here when he says you're gonna shoot me or bore me to death <laughs> and then uh and i i felt him. i felt like i was seen you know, by this <laughs> by this line, because yeah. like, I am bored to death. You're right. Uh, so, so, okay, I don't follow any of this shit. So, yeah, the son, Steven Seagal's son, kills Bill Cobbs. Yes. When Johnny Mesner is told that, he suddenly gets out of the hospital bed. He's zipping up his leather jacket and goes, "I gotta finish this." Then when he goes down to the hospital parking garage, he gets attacked by two corrupt cops. Yes. And he takes Ashley's car keys because he needs yeah, the keys. That's right? it. Because he's, go he's going down to the parking garage to take her car so he can yes. go fight the bad guys. But they're already coming at him. And for some reason, they're waiting in the parking garage. Were they going to take yes. Ashley? I don't know what the deal with this is. Well, this is also a weird sequence because so he takes them out. Yeah. And then drives somewhere. Right. And then the next time you see him, him and Ashley are at a location <laughs> together, which doesn't because he took Ashley's car. Yeah. Why didn't she just go with him into that? Like the next. It's so uninterested. Next... I wouldn't be surprised if all of the scenes were written like without any context for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And just kind of stitched together. That's what this feels like to me. It does. Like, it really does. Because the next thing, the, the the next place that he goes with Ashley, as you're saying, is he DMX goes, "Hey, I got those ballistic reports back." Wink, wink. But at this mm. point, Mesner is like, "I know he's crooked," so he goes, "Yeah, let's meet." And then they meet, so they can have the lamest fight. <laughs> I, I honestly don't remember it. Like I yeah. don't remember it's, what happened. It's it's barely so forgettable. Like a couple of weak punches are thrown, and then 
Johnny Mesner just shoots him and it's over. Yeah. Yes. And I just thought, what was the point of DMX being in this? Exactly. That he he didn't further the plot at all. Yeah. Like at all. Uh meanwhile, Steven Seagal has figured out that some of his own men helped with that robbery of his place. So they betrayed him. Steven Seagal is still on <laughs> on this. You know what I mean? Like the movie has moved way past that and Steven Seagal is like Wait a minute! Did my son commit that murder? So he goes oh, up. All of all of his son's guys are just sitting in this booth, and he goes, "You all betrayed me and stole my money." And he says, "You all want to be gangsters?" Then he pulls out a gun and goes, "Bang, bang, 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 bang!" Uh, that's part of the life, bitch. He says to a bunch of dead corpses. Yeah, uh, but the scene of him shooting them is so funny because. I think the gun shoots too fast. Like it doesn't look real when the gun goes off. It's no. like, bang, 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 bang. He very clearly just pulled the trigger really fast three times. Yeah. He's like he's so good. He he barely needs to aim. You know. But once again, but it's like, that awkward Steven Seagal. The guns jerking around and. Yeah, it felt it looked like a light plastic toy that he was playing with. Yeah, and and they clearly they put in the brightest possible muzzle flash and After Effects. I had yes. to wa- I watched it back like three times just to see if I could actually follow the action of drawing, pulling the trigger, and it's just no, it's all just blah, 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 you know, like yeah, it's it's very sloppy. It's, it's very very sloppy. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like oh, so no attempt to viscerally show this in any way whatsoever. Okay, nope, got it. And also this this just feels like the screenplay is going like. Oh yeah, those guys. I guess betrayed. It's like, oh, should just kill them real quick right here, and so that we can cross them off the board. I still don't fully understand why Seagal was in this movie. I don't either. Like, why man. is that care? Like, the son is the villain. Yeah. Of the movie. Yeah. Why? Why? Why is Seagal in this? Yeah, because they don't do a thing like John Wick, where he kills the son early, and then it becomes about the battle between the mob boss right. and the hero. It feels like an afterthought in this movie. Right. Where it's almost going like, hey, I think we could get Seagal. Can we write a little part for him? Like, I think that's what yeah, it just seems. just tack him on to the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like. I do like, y'all want to be gangsters. Bam, bam, bam. That's part of the life. Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> I feel like bitch wasn't in the script. I feel like that was a Seagal. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, He's very good at throwing yeah. around that word. Because you're all sure. a bunch of bitches. Actually, he was just yeah. talking to a, a female production assistant off camera when mm-hmm. he said that, and they left yes. it in. Uh, get me my like, coffee, well, bitch. We can cut. <laughs> hey, where's where's my where's my sandwich? Yeah. I ordered like I ordered a Reuben yeah. like at least 15 minutes ago. Where is it? Come on, you bitch. And I think he just talks I... like that. That's what I imagine. I need a six foot long sandwich. Yeah. I was going to say, where's his platter of sandwiches? Uh, where... uh, <laughs> excuse me, where's my sandwich platter for one? Where's my sandwich pelican? <laughs> uh, or... Was a pelican cooler filled with sandwiches? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, no. What, what, what were, was I thinking of? Uh, a palanquin? Uh, uh, what is that word? It's like the. The, the throne that's carried around. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the word. Palin, Palin Quinn? No. Something like it's It's in that whatever. vein. Oh, this is good podcasting. Yeah. Uh, this is such good podcasting yeah. right now. It doesn't uh, But then also, in a totally matter-of-fact way, Mesner just finds Seagal's son and kills him. Yes. 
because <laughs> because this movie is uninterested in paying things off. No, it's like, really like, it's really just like uh, I guess that's over now. The movie's just going like uh, we have to end soon. So here you go. Yeah. Yeah, this is. I think this happens a lot in these movies where it's like, we just need to, we really just need to wrap this up. So if we could just finish this as quickly as possible, because that would be perfect. The, the makers of this movie know we can't go over 90 minutes. We can't. All right. This movie can't <laughs> handle that. So, yeah. Um, so now I'm going like, well, is he going to fight Seagal now? Okay. Well, yeah. Then he shows up at Seagal's place. Seagal, of course, is just sitting at his table in his dining room. Mm -hmm. uh, eating a cigar and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a Cuban. Uh, <laughs> Wait, I was told this is a Cubano sandwich. <laughs> no, it's a Cuban cigar. Oh, well, I, that I, explains the flavor. Yeah, where's the slow roasted pork? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I do like that Mesner just shows up and is all of a sudden at, like there's no. Like him sneaking into the house. You There's would no think sequence. the city's biggest mob boss would have a pretty well protected home, but nope. He's just there. He just fucking walks in the front door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is where Seagal does some physical fighting. It's as close to it's as close as he gets in this movie. Because Mesner has a gun on him, and Seagal stands up in a cut once again sitting cut to mesner cut back Seagal is standing and suddenly like at him you know what i mean like he's suddenly out of yeah. the chair and right in front of mesner which i'm like why did he do that he basically teleports uh <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got nightcrawler powers that was uh just you know mm -hmm. a little bit in there <laughs> bamf and he shows up and uh he uh he grabs the gun away from mesner and then shoots the main character of the movie multiple times yes and I thought, yes. wait, what? <laughs> I don't... Because this we, we talked about this briefly at the beginning, but it's just like, Steven Seagal contractually is not allowed to lose fights. That's right. So he does kill Mesner. Yeah. Uh, here. But, uh-oh, <laughs> this also makes no sense. Johnny Mesner knew he was going to kill him? I think that was the idea. Even though, like, that makes no sense. Um... He also but, had the phone was currently like dialing nine one one as yeah. the sirens were coming up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It sense. was still, it was literally nine one one connecting, 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 yeah. and sirens. What? Yeah. Uh, and uh, and Steven Seagal just kind of has this look of like, oh well, fuck. He got me. It's Damn. pretty good, pretty good play there. Yeah. Yeah. But the movie's not over just yet. Because if you thought he was done ripping off great crime movies, oh boy, wait till he gives us his departed ending here. Because uh, we go to the girl who took the... She has the money that was stolen, and mm. she's in a hotel somewhere. And you see on the news that Steven Seagal has been arrested. Mm -hmm. And then knock, knock, knock at the door. And it's a woman we saw Steven Seagal talking to much earlier in the movie. Right, and I had forgotten about yeah, and I don't think we even yeah. talked about her on the show. But he was nope. there was just sort of a scene <laughs> that basically only exists to establish her for this scene. Yes, and she has a, a a gun with a silencer on it and shoots this woman, and then the movie ends. So this high cheek high cheekbone woman is the Mark Wahlberg of, yes. of this movie. I think that's okay. the idea here. Is and, gotcha. and so all now all loose ends have been tied up. <laughs> um. 
but I did see that and went, oh, gee, somebody saw The Departed. Um, <laughs> also one of my yeah. favorite movies um, and it's a great brilliant film. movie. But yeah, it is yeah. just one of those things. But I'm also going like, man, we barely even established that assassin woman at all. And we hardly know anything. I only loosely understood what this other woman was doing with the stolen money. Uh, so there's no, it's, it was more like the movie, this happened. And I went, wait, what? And then the credits started going and I went, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think I know what that meant. Do you think they put this scene in like after filming the movie is like, oh, I guess we probably should wrap that up, huh? Yeah, I think uh, I think they like might they have got a note. Like, I'm also, what happens to that character? I also guarantee you that in the director's cut of this, when they had temp music, it started playing "Shipping Up to Boston" here. Oh, I know we can't get it, but I put it in for fun. Yeah, it's my you know it's my dream you know music cue for this, yeah. but you know. I'm shipping up to Boston. Oh my god. Um awful movie. Beyond the Law is a terrible movie. It is it is truly atrocious. It's like one I of would rather It really is one We of talked the worst about how done. Simon says was one of the hardest movies to watch. Yeah. But it has sequences in it that are very memorable. Yes. It for does. Better or worse, I suppose. Yes. This movie like you had to remind me of a lot of the things that happened well, because Yeah. I was going to say, it's this movie commits lit. maybe the ultimate sin of an action shelf movie, which is it's boring. Yes, exactly. That's the worst thing it can be. If it's going to be bad, we want it to be hilariously bad. Yes. And yeah. this thing is just boring. It's incompetent, though. I think that's the other thing. is yeah. It's boring and it's incompetent. It's so poorly written and made. that One of the worst scripts, I think. Um, awful script. I mean, the script doesn't make sense, like, scene to scene. No. And and um, just has horrible structure and pay. I mean, some of the worst structure, the structure and pacing I've ever seen. Part. Yeah, yes. really. Yeah, because uh, like some scripts have bad dialogue. I mean, this does have bad dialogue, <laughs> but like the highlight or low light, I suppose, of this script is the structure. It is yeah. truly, like truly incompetent. Like it could. I don't think this could be more incompetent. <laughs> no. Made. No, yeah. and 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 it's 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 failing to understand basic storytelling. Like, really, yeah. just moving from scene to scene, there's a huge problem. So, anyway, uh, no kill of the movie, because none of these kills are interesting at all. Nope. Uh, let's let's pick what will just... Be, they're all terrible one-liners, but we have some to choose from here. Um, at the beginning of the movie, when uh, the villain is threatening uh, the, the son who's in debt, he says, That liquor in your belly is your only friend. Uh, nope. <laughs> Uh, Bill Cobbs asked Johnny Mesner, what's that bag of guns for? He says, negotiation tactics. Uh, nope. <laughs> uh, when the DA woman first meets Mesner in the movie, she says, Frank, you look different. He says, by different, do you mean like shit? I mean, he's not wrong, but nope. <laughs> uh, when he uh, takes the gun out of the son's waistband and smacks him in the face with it, he says, thanks for the gun. <laughs> okay uh, when bill cobbs is being threatened by zach ward at the end of the movie he says you're gonna shoot me or bore me to death i uh, think this is the winner but um, and then finally steven seagal to the gangsters who betrayed him y'all want to be gangsters bam 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 that's part of the life bitch no no it's uh I you're gonna it's... shoot me or bore me to death 
Yeah, because the movie was literally boring me, the watcher, to death, and yeah. so I, I just, was, I was able to empathize with with that character. I just a lot barely got out of this thing, you know, uh, yeah. like barely yeah. survived the watching of this movie. So, yeah. oh, Lisman, well, you know, it's always my charge in life to find the strangest IMDb reviews for this movie. And I will say, mm-hmm. as I said, there is not much in the way of reviews for this movie. Uh, not mm-hmm. that many people chose to write reviews for it um so uh but i did find one here uh from imdb user uh redder critical and uh it's uh it's the review is titled underrated solidly made revenge tale disagree already um Uh i don't understand all the negative reviews here this is a solidly made revenge tale it isn't really a Seagal film. He's just in the supporting cast, but it's a nice ensemble of players who are all giving good performances. They're not. It has a slick direct-to-video style, is visually coherent, uh, though there are a couple of crazy special effects shots early on that are pretty poor, but they don't really affect the enjoyment of the film. There's a few nice action scenes, one in particular at a cabin. Uh, Seagal is good in this. He's in that period of work where he has a southern accent, that was my favorite line in this, because <laughs> you know, you know, when eventually every actor reaches that period in their career where they start doing southern accents. Uh, yeah, you, you know, it's like how British actors all eventually play wizards. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's the same thing. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. more here. I just wish there was more of him in this film. Probably uh, something people say about uh, a lot of his recent work. But it's so undeniably solid. I hope Seagal continues to work with his team as a lead actor. They could make a hit for sure. Seven out of ten stars. Disagree with Pretty... almost everything that guy says. It's true, but I do like that as good as it could get is seven out of ten. Yeah, yeah. that was the most positive review I could find of it. <laughs> <laughs> Even that guy's just going like, yeah, you know. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, listen, I know you're wondering, did our old pal Bruce from Amazon watch this movie? And he did not disappoint oh. this week. He did indeed watch this movie, which time, okay. which means it's time for another segment called The Winning Opinion. Uh, all right, uh, here's Bruce Winning's review. It's titled, I found a Steven Seagal that I hadn't seen. Not 16.9, but is 5.1 surround sound. I like the action and violence. I like the shooting. I like the punching and kicking. Five out of five stars. Simple. I don't remember punching or kicking not much simple yeah. and to the point this week from bruce it is maybe the most distilled bruce winner. yeah it's just yeah. classic bruce he talks about aspect yeah. ratio and sound and then he likes mm. the shooting and the punching and kicking yes <laughs> by good. the way we, not every review that we we bring onto this podcast needs to be like giving us a deeper darker insight into the psychology of bruce so like, no and and i think it's actually it actually these. makes it more exciting when we do find one if it's between some ones that don't so yeah yes uh, exactly so uh let's see well listen do you want to come up with a better action vehicle for mr seagal uh boy uh <laughs> it would be hard not to I will say something I didn't say. The movie, by the way, the title of the movie is Beyond the Law. Now, Seagal's first film and first big hit was called Above the Law. So right. I don't know if there's any. But this is not a remake. This does not no. have anything to do with it. He's just in something that has a vaguely similar title by coincidence. Exactly. Much like Hard Kill with Bruce Willis sounds kind of <laughs> like Die Hard, but it's 
has nothing to do with it. it that we... felt like more like an intentional. I mean, maybe this was intentional, like trying to ca- recapture that. But uh, but Die Hard was such a bigger deal than right. anything that Steven Seagal ever made. So right. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, we're gonna create a new vehicle for the man. Let's do it. Uh, and this will be Steven Seagal starring in Maximum Trouble. Maximum Trouble. Okay. Maximum Trouble. Steven Seagal just got into Maximum Trouble. Well, let's let's just rip this Band-Aid, band-aid off now. now. Mm-hmm. Steven Seagal, at the beginning of the movie, has his legs broken <laughs> and therefore has to be seated throughout the whole film. It's the only way we can get him to be the He's the world's biggest the badass, but unfortunately he's just broken both of his legs. <laughs> But he can't lose in a fight, so it was a skiing accident. No, exactly. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, he was trying to do something that was so awesome, and he actually still landed it perfectly. It was only after the fact that he didn't even feel the pain. Honestly, it wasn't until later that yeah. somebody told him uh, that he, that his legs were broken. Uh, and they're already in the movie. They're currently cast, and he's in a he's in a wheelchair. But the doctors are amazed at how fast he's healing, faster than any human oh, yeah. being ever. <laughs> Um, but I, I, I want this to be the action movie where the protagonist is Steven Seagal doing all of his fight scenes in a wheelchair. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that's I think that's what this movie should be. And everybody's um, like, oh, yeah, you, you cripple. You're not going to do anything. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So so we, we've established that he <laughs> injured himself in a skiing accident. Yes. Yeah. What's what's the what, what's the main like drive of this film? Who's the antagonist? Here? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, mm-hmm. It is an agent of the Security Exchange Commission because <laughs> he's been unfairly accused by yes. them, and so the movie is yes. shot so- and takes place in Moscow. Excellent. Yes. Okay. Um, so, so one of the, one of the a- uh, agents goes rogue. Yeah. Because uh, obviously he's out of jurisdiction. Yeah. But they're like, you anyone know what? with any with any actual understanding of the law knows whatever fines he owes are wiped the second he moved to Moscow. But yeah. This guy exactly. He just has it out for Seagal. It's like uh, when uh, Batman went to Hong Kong to right. grab. Uh, to grab somebody because uh, he doesn't work under jurisdictions or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I like this. Uh, so it's like, uh, so who should play this? Who should this play the, the the renegade yeah. SEC? My first, my, yeah. my first, uh, what first popped into my head was Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, I love it, Just to bring it, yeah. back the, the, the re- re- routine then from Under Siege. Yeah, exactly. I don't care what the law says. I'm going to bring this guy in. <laughs> He's going down. He owes a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Uncle He's Sam needs that people. money. All right, we need a bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh... So Tommy Lee Jones heads on an illegal operation to Moscow to catch Steven Seagal, who is of course there. Because I imagine this is a screenplay by Steven Seagal, this one, because he's oh, written yes, a number of his of movies, course, and so yeah. I think this includes this. So he's there, of course, helping the orphan children of Russia. Uh, mm-hmm. So anyone who would ever question this man's morality is a monster, obviously. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Because uh. they're like, no, please, you need to rest. He goes, no, 
the children need my help, whether my legs are broken or not. I will feed them. <laughs> now, does Vladimir Putin make a cameo appearance? He this? does, but here's the question. Does he play Vladimir Putin, or is he actually trying to play a character? Uh, I think he plays Vladimir Putin. Oh, uh, yeah, and he's just like, all the things he's done for this country, you know... Uh, <laughs> You have the audacity to come here, agent, you know, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I don't care who you are, you know. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones uh, abandons all morals uh, and hires some sort of, like, mercenary group mm -hmm. to give him some backup because uh, he's going to need it. Because yeah. even though – so I think he first uh, encounters uh, Steven Zagal. He's yeah. like, well, he's in a wheelchair. Like, yeah. I can take him in just by myself. Yeah. But Steven Seagal still fights him off with mm -hmm. his martial arts. God damn. throwing him. I can't believe it, but somehow he's an even better fighter in that wheelchair. Uh. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> Seagal's like doing tricks. He's like yeah. got it on one wheel and like oh my God. Kind of doing some spins. He kicked my ass three ways Sunday. Uh <laughs> So, so then he hires so then he hires a mercenary group yeah um which i think the raid that this mercenary group does happens in the orphanage yeah um but you know he doesn't realize that steven seagal has already gotten all of the, the yeah. kids out you know you it's here. just him yeah waiting and here you thought you were gonna put innocent orphans in danger but i'm already 10 steps ahead of you <laughs> I yeah. Mean, yeah, and the final the, fight happens is... in the empty orphanage. Yep. And of course, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, even America has disowned Tommy Lee Jones at this point. He went rogue, and they and the U.S. issues an official apology to Steven Seagal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. And that I is uh, what the fuck was the title of Maximum Trouble? Uh, <laughs> Maximum did, Trouble. We, we went way off of that, but yeah, sure, he was in Maximum. <laughs> well, because at some point, Tommy Lee Jones goes. This man is in maximum trouble. <laughs> he owes a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's one of the dumber ideas we've come up with. Uh, yeah, oh, Listman. Well, next week on the show, Listman, is going to be pretty exciting because we're finally, and I know you've been dying for this day, we're finally we're I've, moving I've been waiting. into the world of the with ninja. bated breath, John. Into the world of the ninja, <laughs> which we kind of touched back when we did Ninja Not 3 The Domination. Really? It That's, wasn't enough ninja, No, honestly. it's more possession movie with some ninja elements. Yeah. But this is a full-on ninja movie. Next week mm -hmm. on the show is 1985's Pray for Death. Yes. Now, how good a yes. title is that? That's one of the best titles good. we've ever had. Uh, yes. So, yeah, this is Pray for Death with Shokasugi, who we did see as the ninja in Ninja 3, The Domination, but now taking center and if stage. I'm, I was just about to say, if I'm not mistaken, he is actually the protagonist yes. of this movie, which was my main critique of uh, Ninja 3, The we, Domination. We loved all the ninja stuff. That was our that was our yeah. When it was just ninja fighting, it ruled. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Shokasugi... Uh, listen, I was I, as always. I will ask: Would you like the tagline for "Pray for Death"? Absolutely, John. They shattered his American dream. Pray for death. Okay. Yeah. Vague. 
Yeah. Right. Who, who's they? What was his dream? It was apparently about America. We'll find out next week. But also very exciting next week, we have uh, my good friend and the supremely talented comics creator, Ibrahim Mustafa, with us, uh, mm-hmm. who is uh, uh, not only a great guy, but uh, like we said, he's, he's got a new book coming out called Retroactive that uh, everybody should check out. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get mm-hmm. to talk about that with him a little bit next week as well. Uh, but he'll be making his first appearance here on the action shelf. We'll see if he and I are still friends by the end of it. Although he did suggest this movie. This was, this was based on a conversation he and I were just having about this movie. So, cause he, he, if I'm not mistaken, he initially refused to come on the, uh, Ninja three, the domination. He did because he hates that movie because he is such a Ninja (laughs) fan. He said it wouldn't even be fun if he did it. He would just be hating on it. So, well, you know, I, I got to respect him for knowing that about yeah. himself, you know, like I, that's that takes a lot. Absolutely. Of, uh, and I have a feeling you two will get along because you, he, he, like you, is a massive ninja fan. So, yeah, always happy to have more ninja. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ninja we got to do more ninjas. I think we're talking about doing a whole month of ninjas at some point on the show. So. I, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm so down for that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pray for death next week on the show. But that is going to do it for this week's episode of the action shelf i'm john campbell i'm michael lisman till next week get yourself some action the action shelf the action shelf is part of the panel up podcast network remember to follow us on social media we're at action shelf pod on instagram and twitter and you can email us at actionshelfpod at gmail.com. Of course, you can also support the entire network by heading over to patreon.com slash panelup to get cool, exclusive bonus content. Ooh.